welcome to the Rad Dad Show, a podcast by dads for dads. I'm your host, Rob Schilt, joined by my co-host, Salvatore Minervini. What's up? This is take four on our intro. That's how bad we <laughs> fucked it up the first three times. So today we are going to talk about to push or not to push. We are not talking about birthing. Thank God. I went through that shit twice. Crazy, gross, C-sections. No, thank you. Don't want to see it again. We don't have to talk about it or relive it. Thank you very much. Unless, Sal, you want to relive yours. Nope. No, okay. No, no. All right. Three. Three's enough. Three's enough. We are talking about your kids and their activities. Each kid is different. Each child is different. They have their likes and dislikes. Each child will prefer different activities. Your oldest will differ from your youngest or your middle. They'll like so- softball versus soccer versus basketball versus playing video games versus fishing versus hiking. They're all different. For me, the most important thing is to make sure your children have your help, have your backing. You're there to pick them up when they fall down, back them up on their decisions and what they want to do. I'm not saying that they should stay home and not play sports or, or anything like that or any activities and just sit in front of the TV or play video games. I'm saying back your children up on their decisions and what sports they want to play and not what mom and dad want to play, not what mom and dad envision their high school dreams were and live them through your kids. Let your kids live their own dreams. So Sal, are you for pushing or not pushing? Push, baby. Let's push. <laughs> push till you can't push no more. What, what are we doing? We're raising a bunch of pansies and wimps. Uh, Next, you're going to want to break out the, the belt. Uh, Snap no, it a no, couple no, times. No belt, no belt. I mean, if you don't push them, what are they going to do? Are they going to do anything? Are they going to play any sports? Sit home, twiddle their thumbs, you know? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I am. Um, I agree, and I'm not one for forcing my kids to play a particular sport, but I am the type of parent that will tell my child no if they pick a sport that I know that they'll definitely lose interest in. I think parents are doing more harm to forcing their, their children to play a sport that they played when they were in their prime or that they want their child to play. If your child doesn't like it, they don't like it. They will excel in the sport of their liking or of their choosing. If you force them to play a sport that they don't like, not only will they hate the sport even more, but they may dislike or even resent you for forcing them to play the sport. My oldest daughter plays soccer. She did great. She was having a great season, but towards the end of the season, she began to fizzle out. She told us she no longer she wished to play soccer. So we told her, let's finish out the season on, on a good good note. And you don't have to play anymore. But before, prior to my daughter ending her season or, or not uh, finishing out the season for soccer, we had gotten private sessions for training, one-on-one training for my oldest and my middle. And when she first started going to the trainer, she was a ball of fire. The trainer was real excited. He saw a lot of good quality in her and, and he thought that she would be a phenomenal soccer player. We took a break. I think it was the, the, the break for Christmas. When we returned, you know, he said, hey, you know, what's going on? Something's off with your daughter. And I told him, I said, look, she has lost interest. Can she be burned out? I don't know. Uh, we were, you know, we we're in the soccer four times a week. But he said, look, don't push her. And I knew before talking to him, I wasn't, my plan was not to force her to continue to play soccer. Yes, let it be known that I did play soccer when I was younger. That's pretty much the, the, the only sport I played. I played football one or two seasons, but soccer was mostly what I played. Was I happy when she chose soccer? Absolutely. If she chose something else that I thought that she would keep the interest, I would have said yes. But you don't want to burn them out and you don't want to force them because, like I said, 
they're just going to resent you in the long run and resent the sport. Let them come around. Let them figure it out. That eventually, maybe, oh, you know what? Maybe my, my oldest daughter is going to come back and say, Dad, I want to play soccer again. She did, she did really well. She was a fantastic defender. That trainer, he played and trained with the best of them. He's been to Barcelona. He's been to Italy. He's been to Spain. So he played soccer his entire life. He has a son that also played soccer, but his son no longer wishes to play. You know, I'm sure it hurts him as a father because he spent his entire life and has made a career out of soccer for his son to come around and tell him, hey, dad, I don't want to play. So he's not going to force his son to play because he doesn't want him to hate the sport. He's hoping, just as I am, that his kid will eventually come around and say, uh, let me give soccer a shot again. So what, what about your kids, Rob? They play pretty much all three sports. Well, all three sports to me that <laughs> that are relevant. So they play soccer, they play basketball, and they play baseball. I think those at their young age, maybe lacrosse, maybe wrestling or other sports to get involved in. But for me, those are the three I wanted them to be involved in. My younger one is obviously nine, so there's travel involved if he wanted to do travel, but he's only tried out for baseball travel and didn't make the team, which I was fine with. There were 20-something kids trying out. I honestly just wanted him to try out. If he didn't make it, I wanted him to deal with failure. He had a good tryout, but my other thing is if he made it, awesome. I would have been so happy for him, and he would have been happy. But I also wanted him to understand you don't get everything you want. So if you want it, you have to earn it and you have to put in the work to get it. Now, is he putting in the more, more work to make it next year? Not at this time because we're all locked in in quarantine. But the idea was he was going to go do a camp to improve his skills and, and do some training to, to kind of get him there on the next on the next level. It's funny we're talking about this because recently, and, and Sal knows, and in our area, they've been talking about travel soccer. So travel baseball and softball, I believe, is wrapping up soon. But they've been talking about travel soccer. And I asked my son, there was one spot open because they're not retrying out the whole team. They're only giving any open spots, which also stinks because anybody who really wants to play, who's you know a new possible travel player, there's one spot for however many kids want to do it. So they're doing video valuations, which makes sense with the current situation. So I asked my son, I said, hey, do you want to try out? Because he seemed to like soccer. In our town, the rec league is also a travel league. So at the same point, it doesn't really matter. You get the exposure to other towns anyway. And he kind of went back and forth and then finally said, no, dad, I, I really don't. It's not It's not what I want to do. I'm not that interested. And I said, I just want to be clear. You're not sitting home playing video games. And he's like, yeah, I understand that. He goes, are you disappointed in me? And when he said that, when you have a nine-year-old who looks up to you, and I'm not saying my son idolizes, but most kids idolize their parents or their father, most boys idolize their, their father. And he says that to you, I'm like, why would I be disappointed in you? You made the decision. You feel you don't want to play. You don't want to dedicate the time. You're not interested in doing it. I'm okay with that. That's your decision. I, I am not disappointed by any means. Now, if you get an F on a test and you get a D, <laughs> I'll be disappointed. You not See, playing travel is not me disappointed by any means. That's a, that's a great teacher moment. He owned his decision. You supported his decision by saying that, hey, I'm not disappointed. You, you made that decision. That's yours. You, I'm not going to force you to do something you don't want to do. That's great, man. That's awesome. That yeah, and I was surprised. He's surprisingly insightful at times. And for a nine-year-old, it's incredible. And... The fact he real he, he even asked that, I was like, buddy, I'm not disappointed. I, I couldn't be disappointed if you decided not, not to do something. You know, you're making a conscious decision of what you want to and not want to do. So besides your oldest, what other sports do your youngest play or your middle play different sports? Or how does that kind of work out? Well, because 
I know with between rec and travel, they're like five days a week. Some of these sports, it's so crazy. Last year we we made the I don't want to say wrong decision or bad decision to have my kids both in rec and travel soccer because we, I kid you not between practice for travel and practice for rec we were and games we were on the field seven days a week games for rec were Saturday games for travel were Sunday um, practice for travel was Monday and Wednesday and practice for rec was Tuesday and Thursday we had one day of reprieve so it was it was a bit crazy but I'd do it all again. It was it was fun. It was exciting. It kept us busy. But my oldest daughter, she now currently, she's wrapping up her softball season, travel season, first year. She's a rookie. Um, she is doing okay. Wishes that, you know, she was doing a little bit better, a little higher up in the, in the batting lineup. But I told her, look, it's your rookie season, and you just got to work on, on, on hitting and catching. And you'll, you'll get there. You, you, you get out of it what you put into it. So if you're not going to put any effort into it, you ain't getting anything out of it. Or coaches aren't going to see the effort you're supposed to be putting into it, and they're not going to put you up top of the lineup. So I told her, she, you know, you got to work hard. It says only your first season, so we'll work at it. My middle daughter loves soccer. That's all she wants to do is play soccer. And my youngest, I, co- I coach travel soccer. So I'm her coach for travel soccer. We asked her what sport she wanted to play. Dad, soccer. And then she goes, Dad, would you be my coach? Of course, I had to mm-hmm. yes. And last year was my first year coaching. It was, um, it was interesting. It was fun. So our we got in our 2019 season, and obviously the 2020 season was canceled because of this whole uh, COVID stuff. We are gearing up for fall 2020 season. I got my roster, uniforms are in already, um, they're ordered. So we're hoping that we do have a fall season, but I've been hearing that some colleges have already canceled sports. So the Ivy League canceled their season two or three weeks ago. Uh, that was what we were talking about in the last podcast, is I don't understand how the travel teams in our area were even able to be able to to do travel. It just didn't make sense to me. I also had a beef with rec between travel, but I just don't understand how they were able to move forward. I don't know what – we're part of a league, and I don't know what they worked out with the state or how they promised certain things. I know when we go to softball games, the girls, if they're in the dugout, they're either six feet apart or they're wearing masks. Parents – they're all spread out, six feet apart. If you're walking in and around the field where the kids are playing, you're required to put a mask on. So it's um. So how many of those kids, siblings, are actually wearing masks around that who aren't playing? Honestly, in the stands, yeah, nobody's wearing masks. But I will admit that when anyone gets up and like walks in and around the area, they put their masks on. Siblings, I think I've seen a couple that are in and around the area wearing masks. So I think they're trying to do the right thing. But it's all new to everybody, and it's um, it's a challenge. It's, it's a, a challenge. It is a challenge, and it, just look at, and Sal may not be familiar with this because he doesn't watch baseball, but Miami Marlins decided as a team, a couple of them were sick, but decided as a team they were still going to play the series and ended up infecting people from another team because they were sick. And they did it through group message, group text, and said, hey, so-and-so is sick. Oh, we still can play. Not a big deal. Now, they've been suspended, I don't know how long, maybe a week, because I just can't even. I, it was so right, st- Rightfully so. So stupid. I don't even understand. what Are they so non-informed? Is the MLB doing such a bad job that they're not informed? No, I don't think so. I think it was just a lack of judgment on their part. And it was as, fucking terrible judgment. Right? Obviously, my my daughter's softball team two weeks ago they were spl- they were supposed to play a, a team. The coach reached out to our coach and said, "Hey, just want to let you know 
that one of the kids on my team, their grandparent tested positive for COVID. This child that was on the team hadn't seen their grandparent, but they took the precautionary measures. They made sure the player was quarantined for 14 days and then said, we're good. So this is a... This is a, a kid's softball team. You're talking about major league. Oh, no, it's don't worry about it. We're, almost, we're good. We'll play. It's incredible. I, I just don't even know. I don't have better words to even state is how they could even make that decision with everything that's going on in the world, especially they're from Miami. Florida's blowing up right now, and you're coming to the Northeast. I believe it was the Philadelphia Phillies, and they, I believe the Yankees were following a series with them. So if they had infected and got, you know, got somebody on the Phillies sick, and then the Phillies could have got the Yankees, like, they're just stupid on so, their but part. How's this working now? Because our state requires that if you're traveling from any of the hot zones, I think there's 31 states on the. There's, hot a, zones. there's less states welcome than <laughs> they're not welcome. I saw some meme today about that. So, how does that work for sports? So, you're, if you're coming from a hot zone to New Jersey, you're not quarantined. You're playing. Yeah. So it's an exception. It I guess it's an exception to the rule. I'm still trying to figure out, uh, and we could we'll definitely cover this at some later point. Is how the restaurants are still not open, but yoga, yoga studios are. Indoor dining is not allowed, but you, you can do yoga. Really? Yeah, there's some like you can do yoga, you can work out at a very limited personnel in there. Two, two people? Yeah, two or three people. <laughs> it's a safe distance. But as a person who has family members who own restaurants, that's still ridiculous. Did you hear about that gym down in South Jersey? Yeah, the guy got arrested. They So the owners, the two owners... They took the doors off because they said, hey, we're, we're not trying to resist anything. They prepared to stay in the gym for two weeks. They brought enough clothes to stay there and not leave. They got arrested. <laughs> it's the owners, though, right? Yeah, the owners of the gym. Yeah. So they, I also heard that guy was saying, I will stand up to dictators whenever, whenever it happens or something like that. You can't infringe on my rights. So I don't know what, what he's trying to prove. I, it's, this whole thing is crazy, man. This whole thing is crazy. I, yeah, it's hard to read in between the lines. I think the media skews a ton of information, and I'm not just talking about COVID in general. You can't get a clear picture on, on what the hell is going on. I wish they would just report the news like they used to years ago. It's no longer news. It's talking heads that want to give their opinion. I don't but, give a shit about your opinion. Tell me the news. Tell me the facts. But That's here's, what I want to know. Here's my question. Was that previously true that they really just reported the news or were we too young to realize that it was influenced by political preferences? It could be a, it could be a combination of both. I mean, I, I remember in my teenage years watching the news, they were actually, from what I remember, sharing the news. I shot dead in the street. A guy shot dead in the street by another guy. They, that's all it was. It wasn't this color guy killed that color guy. And, you know, that, that's how you start dividing everybody it's a guy shot dead in the street by another guy yeah and, and i'll tell you i lived in europe for a time and the news the way it's reported there i felt was much different than the u.s news so you, wait so you watched foreign language news how'd you understand it there was english channels <laughs> so they report on the whole world so i lived in the netherlands they just don't report on the netherlands they report on all of europe africa but Far come, East. come on, how much how much news could they possibly generate in the Netherlands? <laughs> Do you think they'd fill fill that thirty minute? I mean, I would think they could. <laughs> Netherlands is pretty big, and there's a, you know a lot of things going on in Amsterdam that people probably don't want reporting. <laughs> you know, Netherlands is one of those countries that, at least when I was there, and this was around two thousand five, I lived there. That you can get to so many different locations in Europe, it is incredible. 
So, and we're completely off topic, but I don't give a shit. You could live in Netherlands and be in France, Belgium, or Germany, depending on where you live, within 15 minutes. I, sw- then, I swear we're going to tie this back into the original. We'll, we'll tie it back in at some time. Then you Somehow. can get to Liechtenstein, Switzerland. I mean, it's incredible. So let's get back to the topic at hand. Completely <laughs> off topic. Sorry. But that's so wait, we got to take a trip to the Netherlands. Is that what we got to take a trip to the Netherlands? That sounds like a great idea for my 50th. Maybe we'll be able to fly by then. So personal jets, personal. That is, I would love to invest in one. I think I do. I am not in that income bracket to have one. So I have a younger son who has, who has a speech delay. And I believe I've talked about this slightly before and I will probably dedicate an episode to it. If you have a, a child who has delays, be it speech or anything else, motor skills, whatever else it is. It is a very trying time for the family. So I didn't notice my son was speech delayed. I obviously thought my son was perfect. My wife was the one who identified it being who she is and she does substance abuse counseling. Her friends are speech pathologists. I think I said that word right. So she kind of identified some of the early signs and reached out to some of her friends and they're like, yes, you should definitely get assessed. And we identified he had a speech delay. Luckily, that's the only thing that's wrong. But he also has, and now this is probably going to get worse with COVID, he has attachment issues because he didn't go to daycare. So when we dropped him off for kindergarten, that was the first time he was being separated from mommy. To complicate things, he has that. And when you can't speak and you have trouble pronunciating words, it also leads into confidence issues. And there is, and I just learned this. There is, and we could talk about this later, but since I'm already down this rabbit hole, I'll just continue. There is an emotional uh, maturity that has to be obtained, and that is lacking. And and we'll circle. I'll circle back to this at a much later date. My younger son, for me, it's more about the team building, the time with his friends, that social interaction, because he hasn't had it. And that's very important. We're very close with my older son's parents' friends. A lot of them are the first people we met when we moved to this town. My younger son, we don't know a lot of them. And I'm sure you've gotten through this multiple times yeah, and you've yeah. got to kind of divide it up. It's actually crazy how uh, my oldest, like the different parents and the different grades, like my wife was class mom. And just for one of my daughters, just the response she got was totally different from like interacting with my oldest daughter's parents, uh, oldest daughter's friend's parents. So it is kind of interesting how, how that happens where I think my youngest daughter, some parents don't even respond. They don't, it's almost like they don't want to be bothered. You know? So it it was, it was very interesting. Very interesting. And and for, for my youngest, it's really hard because we don't know a lot of the parents because you got to remember he's in an isolated class. Yep. So he only has 10 kids. It's not like it's the whole class. So that's 20 parents. If you have, <laughs> we touch on episode four where, you know, you were having birthday parties, not having all the kids there. No. For my younger son, you probably, you may because there's only so many kids he actually knows. And when you're asking him about them, he's like, well, I don't know them. I don't know them. I don't know them. There's a couple kids he knows, but especially this year, it's going to be tough. I don't know what they're going to do yet. I know they're still discussing it. And we have a great principal in the in the elementary school that my kids go to. I know he's going to do what's best for the kids. He is a uh, pretty fantastic principal. My kids have been in that school for four years. My oldest will be there four years. And my youngest, she would have all five years, uh, six years, because kindergarten. Great guy, runs a tight ship. But to follow up or touch back on what we were what this whole podcast was about. I think that parents should not push their kids to play a sport that they really don't want to play. Let them pick it. They'll excel because they'll enjoy it. Are there parents that push their kids to do sports? Sure, because it's something that they did when they were younger or in high school. It's something that 
you know, maybe their parents did to them, that they're, in essence, living vicariously uh, through their kids. You know, they're reliving their, their childhood years or high school years or college years. I mean, give your child the ability to make their decision on what they want to play. And I will caveat it with one thing. The one thing I do want to say is, yes, some of your kids will say, I don't want to play anything. And for me, personally, that's not enough. Now, there is a fine line between pushing your child to do sports or do all sports or a sport versus letting them sit on the couch and watch TV. Yes, maybe. My opinion, and I won't talk for Sal, but my opinion is don't push, push, push your child. Have them try a sport. If they don't like soccer, try the next one. But I know when I tell my kids, all right, we're going to sign up for soccer, they're like, oh, really, Dad? It's determining and understanding what your child and reading between the lines of your child and their personality and understanding, all right, if they get out on that field, they're going to enjoy it. The only reason they're saying no is because they're sitting on the couch right now watching Netflix or playing video games. games. It's my favorite time of the podcast where we get to do a tasting. But before we do this tasting, Sal, do you want to give us the background on this? Sure. Everybody out there listening, all three of you, we are tonight going to do a tasting on New Riff Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. Distillery is the New Riff Distilling. The bottle is 100 proof. Not the bottle itself, but the alcohol in it. The bottle is beautiful. It is considered a straight rye. It is bottled and bond without chill filtration. I will explain what that means in a few. And we'll put it in the liner notes. Aged approximately four years. The mash bill is 95% rye, 5% malted rye. And it's also a sour mash, which it's delish. Uh, color is deep amber. And price point is 42 to $46. We are going to pause here to do our tasting. And as I promised, I will let you know what bottled and bond and chill filtering means after this brief pause. All right. So we're back now. And we had our tasting of the new riff, Rye. And I would say I am not the biggest fan. It's a little harsh on the lips and on the throat. It has a, it has a very strong bite if you, if you take it neat. And that's how we wanted to try it. We're trying everything neat. From that perspective, it was it has a sweet smell to it, which I believe is like a vanilla or a maple. The initial taste is is a little bit harsh. It comes in strong. And then when you if you're if you're into sipping bourbons and whiskeys, to be fair, I am not a bottled and bond guy, and I don't love rye. I personally have the other new Riff bottle, which isn't the rye, I believe, right? Which yep. we tried previously, that we've tried off air while I've been hanging out, and we'll do a review on that. Last week, I gave a 3.5 for whatever we tried. That was the few. That was the few. Episode That's true. 5. Episode 5, the few, and I will probably never buy it. But for new Riff, we did a second tasting after the neat. We put a, an ice bowl in, so... Sal's balls. And I felt with a little bit of melting of the ball, it kind of lessened the intensity of the burn. Now, remember, it's 100 proof, which is always going to have a, a significant burn. But I felt the ice was a necessity. The taste comes through a little bit more with the ball. It obviously dilutes the, the burn. Yeah, but it also opens up 
more flavors. It does, when you, when and I put it was on more flavorful with the ice. And I think all in all, even though I don't like rye and I don't like bottled and bond uh, most of the time, I think I'm at like a hmm, maybe like a four. I think this is a four for me. Very interesting. So as I promised, um, you heard the term bottled and bond. Uh, some people may or may not know what bottled and bond means. So I am going to tell you what it means. So bottled and bond is a label for an American made distilled beverage that has been aged and bottled according to a set of legal regulations contained in the United States government's standards of identity for distilled spirits as originally laid out in Bottled in Bond Act of 1897. As a reaction to widespread adulteration in the American whiskey, the act made the federal government the guarantor of a spirit authenticity, gave producers a tax incentive for participating and helped ensure proper accounting and the eventual collection of the tax. No shit. Uncle Sam wants his tax. Although the regulations apply to all spirits, most bonded spirits are whiskey in practice. To be labeled as bottled in bond or bonded, the liquor must be produced of one distillation season, January to June or July to December, by one distiller at one distillery. It must have been aged in a federally bonded warehouse under U.S. government supervision for at least four years and bottled at 100 proof. That is why this bottle is 100 proof. But that also means it was in the U.S. government supervision for the full year, four years. Correct. Okay. So a bottle of 100 proof is 50% alcohol by volume. The bottled product's uh, label must identify the distillery where it was distilled and, if different, where it was bottled. Only spirits produced in the United States may be designated designated as bonded. Some consumers consider the term to be endorsement of quality, while many producers consider it archaic and... Wow, Jesus Christ. Took me a while to figure that word out, huh? Whew. Is that the second glass hitting you? No, it's the third one. <laughs> uh, uh, some may consider it as archaic and do not use it. However, because bottled and bond whiskey must be the product of one distillation season, one distillery, and one distiller, whereas ordinary straight whiskey may be a product of the mingling of straight whiskeys of the same grain type with differing ages and producer and producers within a single state. It may be regarded as a better indication of the distiller skill, making it similar in concept to a single malt whiskey, small batch whiskey, or single barrel whiskey. Now we got the Wikipedia definition. Of yes. It. So now everybody knows what bottled and bond means. Under government supervision, they make sure that they get their tax dollars. Um They give the distiller uh, an incentive to do it under bottle and bond, and it is guaranteed to be 100 proof. Uh, Another term I mentioned before, chill filtration. Chilled filtering is a method in whiskey making or removing residue. Are we going to do this one over? And chill filtering whiskey is cold to to between 14 to 40 40 degrees Fahrenheit. And through a fine, I think that's supposed to say absorption yep. filter. That's direct copy and paste from Wikipedia. Yeah, well, someone add the D with the B. Adsorption. This is done mostly for <laughs> cosmetic reasons to remove cloudiness. 
rather than to improve taste or consistency. So in this bottle, that is not done. So Correct. just for that clarification. So yes, they, they did not um, filter this bottle out. They didn't do the chill filtering method. But again, it is not done to improve taste or consistency, rather to improve the color of the product. Correct. So my take on the new riff at the nose, it's a spiciness, a little bit of vanilla, tasting it neat, spicy. I get a little bit of oak in there. And then once um, once I put an ice ball in it, top shelf ice balls, still has a little bit of a spice to it, but not as much. Uh, a little burn to the finish and a little hint of vanilla is in there. And I, and I think it brings out the oak. So I'm going to give it a... Uh, I'm going to give it a five, a solid five. Wow. How to trump me on that one, huh? got to keep track of what we actually give these these bourbons and whiskeys. Oh, I, I keep a list of uh, I keep a list of things here. So I think that does it. Oh, actually, no. We are going into dad lesson number three. It's not number three. We're on episode six. Dad lesson number six. <laughs> Maybe after the sampling, we should pause. Then finish recording, and then have the second glass. <laughs> so, dad lesson number six, Sal, since it's the sixth episode, six. is about teaching your kids how to ride their bike. I've actually heard from a couple of people different ways to teach your children how to ride their bike. I had one father tell me that he taught his kids by riding on his front lawn and just taught them to balance. And once they got the sense of balance, they were set. So I haven't had that much success. I am actually going to try that method with my youngest uh, this summer. But the, the lesson we want to impart on you is as you're teaching your child to ride, do not hold the handlebars. That will actually deter them, impair their balancing. So just hold it initially, let go of the handlebars, and just hold the seat. The thing that you want to do is trick your child into you're still holding on from behind as they continue to ride. Now, it took a couple of times for my older son to get this. But again, when we did it, we did it once or twice a year. So I think by the third time he actually tried to ride, he was good. You knew the block I lived on prior to where I'm living now. Mm -hmm. So that's where my oldest learned how to ride a bike on that hill. (laughs) So, yes. As back-breaking as it is to hold the seat while your child is riding the bike, that is the best way to do it. Don't don't hold the handlebars because you're screwing up their balance. They're going to rely on you to keep them steady and hold them steady. Do it by the seat. And then make believe you're holding the seat and just they're doing it. It is an amazing feeling, not only for you, but also for your child. I think that does it. It's a wrap. Take that us out, is, Sal. Dad lesson number six. I want to make the correction. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Tune in next week to our episode where we'll be talking about bedtime. Not mine or yours, (laughs) but our kids. (laughs) What time should kids go to bed? If you like what you heard, smash that follow or subscribe button and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, iTunes, Podbeam, Spotify, and holy shit, do we have any more? Oh, yes, Google Cast. Google Cast. We're live, baby. Yeah. If you have any questions, hit us up on any of those social media platforms I just mentioned. And you can also send us an email, theraddadshow at gmail.com. That's a wrap.